Hello and welcome to episode 198 of SMARTS, which as you know stands for Scientific Mistake Accelerates Ruining the Swamp. Ooh. Do. That one I made up. <laughs> I am your host, Julia Gulia of Internet Fame, Dash Podcaster, and with me as always is Trevor, aka Rudiger Q Podcaster. Hello. Hi. Got Ready any for news? some news? Yeah. Yes. So there's a, a barrage of DC Comics news this week. I don't know why, but they announced a whole bunch of new projects um, debuting in September, I believe, because this is June, July. Yes, so three months ahead of time. In advance of the solicitations, they announced a whole bunch of projects for September, some of which are very exciting. Mm -hmm. So the first thing they announced is, and this is something uh, I've been looking forward to for a very long time, is the return of the Legion of Superheroes. Ooh. So Brian Michael Bendis, who of course is the writer of Superman and Action Comics, the Event Leviathan series, Naomi, mm -hmm. Young Justice... Um, he is going to be helming a new Legion of Superheroes title, um, which will be debuting towards the end of the year with artist Ryan Sook. But prior to that, there'll be a two-issue um, lead-in called Legion of Superheroes Millennium. Mm -hmm. And the premise of this is it will be a, there will be a character that we know. Apparently, it's a character that he's currently writing in one of his other books. Of course, the speculation is who is this character going to be? A female character he's writing in one of his current books who will either discover she is already or will become immortal. Mm -hmm. And then over the course of this, these two issues, we will see her live through all the futures that we know from various DC comic series. So there's going to be a near future and, and each of these different futures, and all of this will be written by Bendis, but each of these futures will be drawn by a different big name artist. Oh, okay. So there's going to be a near future story um, with art by Jim Lee featuring Supergirl. Then there's going to move it slightly further into the future, and there's going to be a Batman Beyond story. And then further into the future, there's, there'll be an OMAC story, a Commandy story. Mm -hmm. And then finally leading up to the Legion of Superheroes. So it'll be like a travelogue of... And, and this will be the first time this has been attempted, really, to tie all these seemingly disparate versions of the DC Universe future together into one timeline. Mm -hmm. The idea being that pe people who aren't familiar with the Legion or haven't really read the Legion before, because there hasn't been a Legion title in like six or seven years at this point, will be able to read these two issues and understand fully like how you, got, how you get from the present DC Universe to the future that the Legion exists in. Mm -hmm. And they can go right into this new Legion series and, and hit the ground running. Um, so, like I said, a bunch of different all-star artists, yep. um, Nicholas Scott, Jim Lee, um, a bunch of others, um, and there'll be all those different features and then leading to this Legion series. So the, only, the question right now is, is this going to be the classic version of the Legion or another rebooted version of the Legion? It's looking like it's going to be more like the latter, but the Legion, I mean, as much as I would like the classic Legion back, the Legion has been rebooted so many times that at this point, maybe a fresh start <laughs> couldn't really hurt. I don't know. Um as long as it incorporates a lot of the classic elements, then it, I'm pretty much fine with it. Um, but yeah, it's exciting. And, and even before all this happens, they're going to apparently start appearing in, um, in his Superman titles. Um, the speculation is that this is part of the reason why he aged up John Kent, mm. is the Legion is going to appear and offer John membership in the Legion the same way they did his father, you know, 40 mm -hmm. years ago or whatever, Yeah. Um, which is kind of a cool way of reintroducing them, you know, to a modern audience. Um, so yeah, so the Legion's coming back and it'll be a new monthly title written by Bendis after this this two-issue millennium lead-in. Um, and he says that he's this is the biggest thing he's ever done because it's like the, previously he wrote the Avengers, but mm -hmm. that was, you know, he wrote the Avengers for years, he wrote the X-Men for years, but that's like a team of 
you know, six to 10 people and a few various supporting characters or whatever, the Legion, like even at the, even at its smallest has got like two dozen members, right? And then they yeah. each have their own worlds and their own powers and their own supporting cast and all these other things. So this is the biggest thing he's ever attempted. And he says like, he understands that there's a tendency in the past for a, a writer to come in, reboot the Legion or, or restart the series and then sort of cut and run after a while. He's, he says he's in this for the long haul. Um, he's not going to abandon the readership. So he's got big plans and everything. So this That's is- awesome. You know, going to be the first Legion title in years, like I said, and so I'm very excited about that. Um, we also learned this week that, and this this was a real one-two punch, that the Justice Society is also coming back. So Scott, <laughs> Scott Snyder is going to reintroduce the Justice Society in his current Justice League series as part of the whole um, Perpetua Totality um, multiverse. Manhattan. Multi. Well, no, Doctor Manhattan has, doesn't have anything to do with the Justice League series. Um, okay, yeah. The whole Legion but I thought it, it tied in in places to the Doomsday Clock thing. but Well, sure. I mean, that, that that's established why the Justice Society no longer exists or why nobody yes. remembers them. But I think when they're reintroduced here, they probably, probably might, they probably will maybe briefly touch on the Dr. Manhattan thing. But so they want, he, Scott Snyder said he wanted to let Jeff Johns establish where they've been, you know, or why right. they're no longer here yeah. in Doomsday Clock before he established them here. But it's it's gonna you'll probably be able to read this and not have read Doomsday Clock and it'll be fairly straightforward. I see. Um so it seems like this is going to be the classic Justice Society, the original nineteen forties version, not any sort of future legacy version. So we're not gonna see, you know, Wildcat Sun or Our Man Sun or Stargirl or, you know, Yakim Thunder or any of those characters. It's gonna be the classic, mm-hmm. you know, Alan Scott, Jay Garrick Ted Grant, Kent Nelson, Jim Corrigan, you know, Al Pratt, Rex Tyler, am I missing anybody? <laughs> um, Johnny Thunder, version of the Justice Society. And it seems like Snyder's been, Snyder's been pretty um, transparent in saying that this is just the beginning for him in the Justice Society. So I'm assuming that either when his Justice League series is over or in concert with that, he's going to be writing a dedicated Justice Society ongoing series which seems like it will be set in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I, I'd be more interested in a Justice Society series that takes place in the present where it can interact with everything else. But if this is the way they want to introduce it, because, I mean, I kind of see, like, again, the Justice Society has been gone for seven or eight years at this point. If you reintroduce it as just another modern-day team, it's just everybody's older than the other teams, Right. That might that's not a super interesting hook necessarily. But if you're like, this is, these are the original superheroes fighting in World War II, mm-hmm. that's kind of a hook to get people interested. And then maybe you can jump forward to the present day after people are, are invested in it. So, yeah, so Legion, Justice Society, both coming back in September. Mm-hmm. Um, Legion, like I said a little bit earlier with the, the lead-in and the Superman titles. Um, they also announced a couple of um, miniseries spinning out of the finale of Heroes in Crisis, are we okay maybe spoiling the ending of Heroes in Crisis now? It's been a couple months, I feel like. Yeah. So yeah. one of one of them is going to be Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. So this is going to be picking up the plot thread of Poison Ivy was one of the people that was killed in the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Ma- I don't know what you call it. Accident? Massacre. massacre. Can you have an unintentional massacre? Accidental massacre. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Uh, but then there was the whole thing where Wally took the seed and, and gave it to like his past self or something. And that seed grew into like this new poison ivy mm-hmm. uh, who's sort of like sinewy and like almost looks like a more Still plant-like. growing, yeah. And it seemed like she's kind of like a tabula rasa. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really seem like she has any of the old ivy's personality yet. So this series is going to follow Harley and Ivy as they're 
traveling across the country trying to get back to Gotham or whatever, and, and some villains are going to be after them or whatever. It's going to tie into the whole, some of this also ties into what's going on in Justice League, so the whole Lex Luthor offering villains new power stuff. So there's going to be some aspect of the, like the Legion of Doom is after them for some reason. Maybe mm-hmm. they think that this new Poison Ivy is would be like the perfect recruit or perfect weapon or whatever, and Harley's got to keep her away from them. So it's sort of an interesting way. So it's, it's following up on that plot that there's also going to be a miniseries called Flash Forward, which is going to star Wally West and follow up on where he was left at the end of Heroes in Crisis. Um, and sort of his trying to um, I'm not sure, rehabilitate or redeem himself, I guess you could say, after the events of Heroes in Crisis. Mm-hmm. So that's the one that I'm more looking forward to because that's you know one of my favorite characters. And so I'm interested in seeing where they take him from here and how they can sort of return him to grace after everything that's, that's happened. Um, so those are those two that are spinning out, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy and Flash Forward, which will star Wally West. Um, they also announced a new series, not related to any of the Heroes in Crisis thing, called Gotham City Monsters, uh, written by Scott Orlando, who did, you know, he did Supergirl, uh, Justice League of America, Electric Warriors. Um, this is going to follow up on the whole uh, Monster Town aspect. Do you remember the, the Bat- what was it, the Batman, the Monster Man or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um arc that he the crossover that he did in Batman that established that now there's like this district of Gotham that doesn't really get referred to very often but where Hugo Strange's monster formula like mutated everybody and they're mm-hmm. just sort of hanging out there so the idea is that after the events of the of um event Leviathan of course all the um secret spy organizations in the DC universe are gone so Shade, which is the organization that Frankenstein used to work for, is gone. So he's a free agent again. Wow. And so he's going to be teaming up with a bunch of other monster-type characters. So Killer Croc, Orca, who's sort of an obscure Batman oh, yeah. villain, uh, Andrew Bennett, I Vampire, and Lady Clayface, which I think is different than Mudface, who was the female yes. one that was altered by Clayface. Oh, that's um, interesting. There's actually been a Lady Clayface at one point, you know, 20 years ago, whatever. Okay. So I think that's the version they're using. So he's going to gather these sort of monstrous characters around him, and they're going to tackle threats in this monster town in Gotham City. So that's going to be a new series cool. starring Frankenstein. Um, and then the last thing that they announced is that um, presumably due to popular demand and good sales, both um, Wonder Twins and Dial H for Hero as part of the Wonder Comics imprint, which were originally only supposed to be six-issue miniseries, have been expanded to 12 issues. Oh, so same writer and artist are sticking sticking around. Dialect for Hero apparently is going to have some guest art in for certain sequences, you know, oh, when yes. certain transformations. Mm-hmm. So far, it's been the same artist, just aping other styles. And it's he's done beautiful. an excellent job. But I think they're going to actually have some guest artists too. But with So that'll be one slight change. But with Wonder Twins, it's going to be um, Mark Russell and, and uh, Stephen Byrne mm-hmm. the same. And then Dialect for Hero will be the same, just with additional guest artists. So they're going to go to 12 issues. So it seems like they're both doing quite well if they've been expanded on. Cool. Um, yeah, so that's the DC Comics news, a bunch of new projects. So all of this is coming in September, mm-hmm. either as continuations or new projects. And then the last little bit of news unrelated to all of that is that there's a report that Sci-Fi has commissioned a Lobo spinoff from Krypton. <laughs> so the version of Lobo that just appeared in Krypton that we're going to be talking about is apparently, if you know, it gets ordered to series, going to have his own spinoff show. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously we'll talk about later when we get to that but it seems sort of premature but i mean i guess the people at sci-fi have seen more than we have yeah. and so they've got more of a basis for making this decision um a lobo show sounds like fun i mean yeah, it, it it, we don't really have much to go on how great this version is going to be but in concept a lobo, mm-hmm. a lobo series could be kind of a and in some ways it kind of makes more sense as a series than something like krypton does actually you could say you know mm. um so yeah awesome. what do you think what do you think about that lobo tv series potentially in a year 
I don't know. I'm still holding my judgment back because I can't not look for the voice of Brad Garrett in the Lobo persona. So this is a first for me to not have just this well, it's big, not a, deep, it's not a boisterous. first. I mean, you've heard other you've heard other versions of Lobo. Yeah, but I never liked them. <laughs> Well, the one in Young Justice is good. That's not Brad That's Garrett. True. He, That's true. He does a really good job. Yeah, that that I. But they ha- well. he has a similar look and a similar like deep. Right, rough he goes voice. for it though. Yeah. He goes for the deep gruffness because he's a very loud, imposing persona, and it kind of for me needs a voice to match. And well, this I think guy just sounded like a regular man. I think when you're person. casting when you're casting for a live action though, the voice is part of it, but uh, but. The other, another, other parts, possibly some, more important parts, is the physicality. You know, the look. Yes. Like, can mm-hmm. he, can he physically, can he be physically imposing? Does he have the right face? Does he have the right mannerism? Does he, know how to use Does he have it? the yeah, right exactly. acting ability? Mm-hmm. And then, if his voice is maybe slightly higher pitched than you would like, that's sort of that's you know, that's, of that's an acceptable yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, whereas when you're casting for animation, the only thing you're worried about. I know, about is and the again, voice. I'm not saying anything. I'm saying that it's it's making me reserve judgment. So I. I only saw him in the one scene and I liked the lines that were written for him and the way that the actor delivered them. But I don't know him well enough yet to like him, you know? You remember, so I don't you remember, know yet. Well, we'll, we'll, <laughs> get it, we'll t- talk about when we get to Krypton. But, and, and so the presumption, I'm sorry, I should say, that it was originally up in the air, like, would it be starring the same guy? Would it, would, oh, or would, okay. would it just be like, you know how sometimes they do, like they use it as an excuse to launch a new series, yeah. but it doesn't actually have right. the same continuity. But then the report later said that the same actor is attached nice. to this. So. Good. And you know, remember we talked about this when he was cast, but I, I don't think you remember. Do you know that at least, I mean, the only other thing I've seen him in that I'm aware of, he played Jim Corrigan in Constantine in his couple of appearances there. And it seemed like they were setting him up to be the Spectre, but then that never happened. That was the, that was the same guy. Oh, almost unrecognizable. What a difference! Wow, that guy's got range. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I mean, I didn't recognize him at all. That's cool. That's very cool. Wow. So that's it for our news. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun bit of news. Are you excited about all the upcoming? I am. It almost seems it's almost crazy. Like seven or eight years without these these franchises. Number game Legion and the Justice Society back in one go, in, yeah. in one in one month. Yeah, that's um, great. You yeah. must be super excited, huh? I am excited. Yeah. Hopefully, they'll be good. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. with with Bendis and Scott Snyder writing them, it's not. I mean, I know. They, they might not be exactly what, what I'm looking for, but they're not going to be bad. I mean, they're they're excellent writers, so I'm I'm excited about that. Cool, very awesome. So, what was your comic of the week? So this week, I picked Hawkman number thirteen, um, short short version. Um, Hawkman is still resolving his past, and he's standing in the library of his personal journals, and he sits down for a read through on one of these journals and he discovers that or rediscovers that he's been reincarnated on either sides of fighting factions for hundreds of years of a massive multi-generational planetary war that civil war that's been going on between two peoples on the same planet and I can't even call them different species because they look from the outside as as they were drawn they looked like humans so it's just it looked like regular people just in different uniforms and he kept being reincarnated he kept being killed down in the prime of his life shot down in the prime of his life and then reincarnated on the other side seemingly bouncing back and forth at random times and um eventually he brings about peace because he goes with his instinct and says they're just like us. Maybe they're tired of rations and fighting a stupid war that nobody even remembers how it started and nobody has a real justification for fighting anymore anyway. So he goes unarmed into the field 
uh, between the, the, the trenches and on bended knee so that it's physically obvious from his motions from far away that he means nobody any harm. Um, on bended knee, he extends his <laughs> garbage of a ration <laughs> that they are tired of eating um, to the other side. And over the course of this, you well, see... Well, not, not of, just to anyone in to, particular, but just, to, yeah. to seemingly, whatever you like want to call her. She, well, no, was a... Because she's the one... Was a red-haired woman. Yeah, it was so a red... It's Shira. The, it's, her name was Shira. There's the it whole, was awesome. There's the whole question still from the... Even unresolved after the first 12 issues of who... Of how... Yeah. Who this woman is. I mean, because we know from the classic Hawkman origin, seemingly, or we thought we knew, that it was Prince Khufu's wife that mm-hmm. was killed alongside him and they reincarnate together. But now that we know that it goes way farther back than that, yep. who is this woman and why was she there during his very first yeah, life very as first Katara test, Deathbringer yeah. trying to get him to change his ways? She mm-hmm. seemingly has and been around even longer and knows even more yep. than he does. And so. in this incarnation, she was the captain that told the um, other person not right, to Right, although in this instance, it doesn't seem like she really knows more than he does. Or at no. least it, we didn't it get any like indication. It looked like she's a regular person. It yeah, like so she maybe was, yeah. she uh, reincarnates too, but like him, doesn't retain the memory each time. Yeah. But it seemed like originally she knew more than he did about yeah. what was going to happen was, and what was she going was on. Yeah, she was something. She must still have just like chosen, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's still there, but it's awesome because that they did, you know, I don't know, their their paths intersected at that point, and he visits that same planet because he's on a ship as he's reading this journal and decides to choose a course uh, based on this reading, and he goes to the planet which now has a flourishing society, a really beautiful looking city, um, ships in the sky skyscrapers of beautiful architecture and healthy looking weather and atmosphere and everything and a statue dedicated to that mystery soldier who stood on bended knee and offered out uh, his hands in peace and he said that the planet didn't flourish under war because of the war he said it flourished because of the peace and you see that at least like 500 years or something crazy passed where these people were fighting and who knows how much further than that it w- it lasted before that um and then you see what happens you know how desolate it looked at the time and now to see this kind of flourishing in society and in the planet was just really really just a beautiful capper and the art was beautiful and the story was really nice and romantic i have to say and really just but yeah like the platonic version of romantic but you know what i mean i just really love it i love this sort of lawrence of arabia <laughs> whimsy it's it was beautiful and that's why it's my comic of the week so what'd you pick well you also want to give an honorable mention yes, to I something did. else right but i can't remember what it was It was wonder twins number five we read it just now that's right wonder twins was awesome it was so good um you want to talk about wonder twins well i mean well just briefly i mean it is because you've I forgot, 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 forgot. Why, why you liked it so much. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I think that I think a oh, lot of yes, it probably had to do with. I mean, this is this is what Mark Russell's. <laughs> this Sorry. is this is his bread and butter. I mean, he did that excellent Prez series with the teenage president that you didn't that you didn't read, where she was elected on Twitter. The, right. the social I, commentary I in that series, the... you could you couldn't cut it with a knife. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. He did that this one. one is, was good. He did that one issue of Harley Quinn that I picked as my comic of the week, where everybody was everybody like yes. the, the men's rights activists yes. were after her or whatever. <sighs> Um, so like, this is his, this is his thing. So there's everything in this issue from, I mean, this issue and the preceding four issues, everything from like sort of youth, 
like the, right. the, the, youthful innocence. What it's like to be a teenager. Sure. What it's like to go to school. Angst. What it's like to date and everything. And in this Identity in this crises. issue, you've got yeah. you've got you know racism and like just you know quote unquote Extortion. homicide being justified by yeah. you know a white mm-hmm. person that commits it on a, against a black person. You've got this Lex News, which is obviously a thinly veiled mm-hmm. analogy for Fox, Fox News, News and the yeah. way they can Beautiful. excuse these sorts of horrible things that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, You've got you've got the way that you know society and business sort of grind up the the you know the intelligent mm-hmm. you know good-hearted people that go into them. You've got the whole thing with Jaina having dated this guy in a previous issue who was similarly to the right. characters in that Harley Quinn issue was sort of like this machismo this, this men's rights kind of guy. Oh, so he God. comes in this it was like Red Flag is his name, yeah. which is perfect, and he's like, <laughs> no, you know, nobody dumps me unless I say I can be dumped, kind of thing. And so yeah. he sort of had to get revenge. So there's all this sort of like social commentary and political commentary yeah. and all this stuff at the, at the same time as like these actual characters. Like it's hard to introduce. Like you care about. Um, Polly Math, right, and her father mm-hmm. Philo Math. You yeah. care these ridiculous characters in the in the Legion of what is it, the Legion, Legion, Legion of, of uh, Irritation ir- or something like that, yeah. or whatever it is. Um, you care about you don't necessarily care about those villains, but they're like interesting, memorable characters mm-hmm. for like these ridiculous screw ups. You know, yeah, um, yeah, and it's and the art of course is beautiful, and and yeah, it's it's just a really entertaining series, and the way it's left at the end with the Scrambler's plan to like basically uh, randomize everybody's mm-hmm. brains and bodies on Earth so that you never know if you're going to be disenfranchised or or what. So everybody make the everybody the make spend the next thirty days making the world as as um, equal as you equal can. as it can be because you don't know what what rung of the ladder you're going to end up on on the thirty first day. You know. <sighs> Um, so this is going to lead into the issue six, which would have been the conclusion, but now we know they're getting six more issues. So I think what's going to happen is that this arc will sort of conclude and then mm-hmm. issue seven through 12 will be like a second arc. Like yeah, a that's sequ- what, a I mean, sequel, I think at this yeah. point that most com- most of the, I mean, the, the other series is going to have to do the same thing because that's not a lot of lead time to expand what would have been six issues. Although we've 12. read fewer issues of that. We've only read two or three issues. So I don't know uh-huh. how clo- how much they're barreling towards issue six as a conclusion for that one. Whereas this one, it seems like this is definitely the climax. So. Yeah. We'll have to see. So I picked Hawkman also. We've already talked about that. But I thought for my honorable mention, I'd just um, quickly talk about uh, Event Leviathan number one, yeah, which is really good. Yeah, um, Bendis writing, this is exactly, you know, his <laughs> kind of forte with characters sort of being snarky and talking at each other and theorizing. And, so funny. And, uh, I love the little side conversations. It's very, it's just funny, the little quips off to the side that are more like throwaways, but they're in there and they give that extra flavor, extra dimension. Yeah. I mean, very little action, mostly just because all the action has basically already happened. Right? Yeah. Leviathan is succeeding and taking everything down yeah and unlike the superman issues we don't even really see much of the titular leviathan mm-hmm. or the leviathan organization this issue is mostly just batman and lois lane talking for That's 20 why the pages two amazing detectives in this that is lois lane and yeah. batman well, this, are so, concerned are doubly concerned because this is a different brand of supervillain i love that moment in this issue where where they say this isn't about ego and well, that's this is, what makes so it so i've read a weird. bunch of interviews with bendis and this is going back to you know so stuff good. stuff that we know from the previous issues too where leviathan the reason why he took out talia was that he said like i don't want it like if if you end up fighting Superman, not only not only are you probably going to lose, that makes you the bad guy. Everybody right. knows that. That's just sure. common sense. Mm-hmm. What he wants to do is succeed in such a way that Superman and the other superheroes will will see that he that he was right. Like he actually wants to build a better world yeah. out of the ashes of these organizations. Yeah. Um, and do it in such a way that everybody will come around to his way of thinking. He doesn't want to fight them. Like he's trying to avoid a conflict with them, mm-hmm. which makes it. And like Benda says, like that makes it something that Superman isn't really used to 
fighting, you know, right, yeah. which is why he kind of had to deploy his Clark Kent identity more. And then mm-hmm. the guy Chaz, right, like his yeah. secret identity within a secret identity who was an agent of Spiral. Right. That's the only way that he can kind of tackle this. And that's really more of Lois's turf, you know. Right. So, mm-hmm. so what Bendis said, the reason he said that he, this issue was like whatever it was, 20 pages and only maybe like half of it was Lois Lane and Batman talking just amongst themselves. The rest of it was them talking to Steve Trevor and then Green Arrow shows up and then there's a little coda at the end with Leviathan. He said he probably wrote another 10 pages of just Batman and Lois talking yeah. that had to hit the cutting room floor because once he just started writing them talking, yeah. he just loved their back and forth because he says the way he pictures it, it's like you have, it's like your spouse has a friend that you that you really like and really get along with and have a lot in common with, but you never hang out with them mm-hmm. just by yourself because you're always with yeah. You know, like your spouse is that connection point. Like you never get together with your spouse's best friend and just hang out right. without your spouse there. Right. But so this is like Lois Lane and Batman, like actually, and they actually really like each other and get along really well and have a lot in common. And right. they, they think in similar ways, but they never really have an excuse to just get together and compare notes. Yeah. And when they do, they're like, hey, you know, actually, we, we, we're really good at this. Yeah, basically, yeah. You know? <laughs> and then Green Arrow shows up and he's his quippy self and Steve Trevor is there. And it's yeah. interesting. And what you learn in this issue is that not only has Leviathan orchestrated the downfall of all these organizations, but he's done it in such a way that the finger could be pointed at any number of people. And though people like Steve Trevor, people like Amanda Waller, people like Batman or Lois Lane, right. um, who are the biggest threats to stopping what he's trying to do. So he's not only set his plan in motion, he's done it in such a way that it sort of Several paint, paints the people that he knows yeah. are his biggest threats in solving it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like who would stand to gain from this happening in this time? Well, this is the kind of thing Amanda Waller would do. Well, Steve Trevor was mysteriously the lone survivor of the downfall of Argus. Well, how convenient, right? So it finger mm-hmm. points at him. And he says, he even says to Lois, like, you're, you're Leviathan. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even really mean it, but he's like, look, this this whole thing, your your father who you never get along with, you know, his organization is taken down, but somehow he survives. Your husband goes missing, but somehow he's he doesn't, he, he's miraculously rescued at the mm-hmm. last minute. Like, these things could just as easily implicate you, right? Right. And so that's really interesting. And and so I think it's, and the, the art by um, Alex Maleev is, is very cool and very like moody a lot of blacks right. a lot of oh, sort of abstract so shapes yeah this the is the smokiness so yeah. bendis made his name at marvel really on two series one is ultimate spider-man which he wrote for like 15 years and that was where he created miles morales and, and did all this other stuff and the other is his run on daredevil mm-hmm. with alex maleev and that was really what elevated daredevil real like, made him prominent again for the first time since frank miller did the whole elect Electra bullseye thing, you know, 30 years ago. Wow. Um, so this has been just reuniting with Alex Maleev, who, who he's done other stuff with since, creator own projects and stuff, mm-hmm. but reuniting with him for the first time on a big superhero project and for the first time at DC working together right. on this series. So they have had this working relationship going back like 20 years at this point too. So they're really simpatico. Um, so it was really interesting. And he says that this is not, usually when you write a crossover, it's like a big summer blockbuster kind of thing where mm-hmm. there's tons of explosions and, and dozens of superheroes fighting. It's like, no, this is this is like a mystery thriller, mm-hmm. you know? This is this is going to be Lois Lane and Batman assembling the greatest detectives in the DC universe to solve this problem. So mm-hmm. you're going to get Green Arrow. You're going to get The Question, who shows up briefly in this one. Yep. Plastic Man, who you don't really think about a lot, but is actually like a really good detective also. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be the Manhunter assembling these the, the Kate Spencer version of Manhunter, who was in his Action Comics issues also, and is also sort of a suspect on the run from all this stuff because of things that happened there. Um, they're sort of going to assemble and try to take figure this out so it's more like a detective story or a procedural because mm-hmm. all the all the big explosions and everything else that already happened like 
Yep. You know, his plan has succeeded, basically, the Viathan's right. plan. All these organizations are gone. The only question is whether they're going to let it lie or figure out what happened and try right. to salvage something from yep. it, basically. And so that's what this is. Um, so it was really good. I'm really looking forward to more of it. Nice. Yeah, me too. It was good. So should we move on to your quiz? I am ready. Okay. So this week, in commemoration of the Legion returning, okay. I thought I would quiz you about the 90s Legion reboot names. So when they when the How would I know? when the Legion was rebooted, the the Zero Hour Legion is called. I think as I think it was in '94. Um, they decided that a lot of the classic Legion names sounded too corny, so they <laughs> gave them newer, cooler names. Not all of no. them. Like Cosmic Boy was still Cosmic Boy. Saturn Girl was still Saturn Girl. Because you know, Blank There's Boy, Blank Boy, and Blank Girl. Like we're used to that, right? You know, yeah, Super Boy, structure, yeah. Wonder Girl. We're used to stuff like that. Blightly but a lot of Lad the other ones, like Lad or been... Lass or whatever, seemed kind of corny, and so they. Changed them. Twerked them. And yeah. then, of course, later, the classic names pretty much came, came back, back, as they sure. always do. And you watch the cartoons or whatever, and and it's all pretty much always the classic names. Yep. But sometimes the newer names work them, their way in. Like the, the newer names were referred to a couple of times in Supergirl, for instance, and in uh, the Legion. Um, the Legion that showed up elsewhere and a couple of other things uses the newer names. So I'm going to give you the classic name. Okay. And I'm going to give you four options of what the but the reboot name was, and you have to tell me which is the real one. Okay. okay? All right. So number one, Lightning Lad. Mm-hmm. So was his reboot name Livewire, Spark, Static, or Voltage? Spark. No, it was Livewire. No, it wasn't. Was it really? Yeah. And then it got ch- changed into a Superman super well, or Supergirl yeah. villain. Bruce Timm and Paul Dini and them used the name Livewire. F- four, three or four no years kidding. later for a villain also. Funny. Okay. All right. Number two, Triplicate Girl. Mm-hmm. Okay, was this changed to triad, trio, trilogy, or triplet? Triad. Yes, it was triad. Awesome. I think you told me that once. Okay, Phantom Girl. Mm-hmm. Was this changed to phantasm, spirit, apparition, or specter? Spirit. No, apparition. Oh, terrible, terrible choice. Okay. All right, Chameleon Boy. Uh-huh. Okay, was this changed to shifter, transformer, changer, or chameleon. I think it was just chameleon. It was just chameleon. Yeah. In fact, they even used the name. I think that was one of the ones when they referred to Were one Supergirl. They said chameleon or something like oh, that. Oh, cool. Okay. All right. Colossal Boy. Ooh. Was this changed to Leviathan, Giant, Titan, or Mammoth? I want to say Leviathan. It was Leviathan. Awesome. All right. Lightning Lass. Was this changed to Dynamo, Voltage, Static, or Spark? Was she Spark? She was Spark. Yeah. Okay. Monel. Okay. Okay. So of course M O N apostrophe E L, right? Yeah. That's how it's always been spelled. Yes. So they kept they kept the sound of it, but because he wasn't supposed to be because the because after zero hour there had never been a Superboy, there was no logical way for Superboy to have given Monel his, his Kryptonian name. sounding name. Ah. So they kept the sound of the name, but they spelt it differently because it had a different origin now Got so it. did they change so what so instead of m-o-n apostrophe e-l was it changed to change to m-o apostrophe n-e apostrophe l <laughs> or was it m-o-n-n-e-l or was it m apostrophe o-n-e-l or was it m-o-n apostrophe e-l-l-e yeah no i think it was the one with no apostrophe M O N N E L? Yeah. No, it was M apostrophe O N E L. Why would you do a thing? Because it was supposed to be Martian. It was a, it oh. was a, it was a Martian name and not a Kryptonian name. So like Jean is Je, 
Yeah, J, I understand. J, J apostrophe <laughs> O-N-N. Yeah. This was M apostrophe O-N-E-L. Okay. I'm trying to remember if Martian Manhunter, like a thousand years in the future, he's supposed to be still alive, if he'd given it to him or if it was just a name he'd taken like from history or something. I can't quite remember. Hmm. But that was the reason for that. Okay. I always thought that was particularly dumb. Like he could still, like there had been a Superman in history, even if there had never right, been a Superboy. Exactly. He could have taken a Kryptonian sounding name for some other reason. But anyway. Lastly, Shadow Lass. Okay. Okay. Was this Shade, Umbra, Penumbra, or Darkness? Shade. No, Umbra. Why? So well, weird. You know what Umbra and Penumbra are, right? No. No? Umbra, it's the parts of a parts of shadow. Oh. So umbra is the pure dark part and penumbra is like the periphery where there's some dark and some light. Oh, I've never heard that broken down for me like that before. Oh. No, but that's what they changed it to. So what, you got, what class do they teach you that in? I don't in? know. I just learn about stuff. <laughs> so you cool. got one, two, three. I got four. Four. You got four. Four out of eight. Yep. Not bad. I'll take it. So do you do you think that those names are improvements or do you prefer the classic names? You got to admit some of them like lightning last and so on. Yeah, I would have probably picked something else for her. <laughs> but, um, yeah, some of them were improvements. I like Chameleon, Chameleon Boy. I, I, I guess I don't really have a preference for those. Monel was unnecessary. Um, and what was the other one that I missed? <laughs> yeah, Phantom Girl was changed to Apparition. Yeah, that was a bad call. Phantom I Girl is Phantom fine Girl as a name. Is, exactly. And, of course, they're using that again now in the Terrifics yeah. and mm -hmm. it's a different character it's her her ancestor or whatever i guess but yeah yeah mm. on the whole i actually prefer the original names um chameleon is okay and that's about it that's i, I think the original names work fine yeah, because especially in the original the original conception of the of the team is that they it was it was a they were hearkening back to the the grand heroic tradition of the 20th century, right? So yeah. they were choosing names which were very much in that style. Yeah. They wouldn't choose names which sounded new and modern and cool. They would have chosen names which kind of intentionally sounded like throwbacks. So what was Lightning Lad's name again? Livewire. Livewire. See, they gave him kind of something more whatever, and then they gave Lightning Lass something a lot more diminutive, like she's Spark. Aw, isn't she cute? No, trying to be a superhero because she's a girl. And so I kind of want to punch somebody in the face for that one. Just saying. <laughs> I don't know. I think it kind of suits their personalities. Mm, no, you don't do that. Mm -mm, no. Give the girl the live wire name, which I appreciate that Bruce Tim did. So <laughs> thanks. Okay. Should we move on to our shows? Um, yes, I am ready. Okay. so we've Thank got, you for the quiz. You're welcome. We have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then we have um, the season premiere of Krypton. And then we have another episode of Swamp Thing. Awesome. So this was a really good episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it forwarded the space so stuff and the Earth stuff, mm -hmm. right? I love the juxtaposition. They were really toying with the cinematography on this one. And I appreciate that they cheated on the budget by having extreme close-ups. Yeah, that was pretty That was, <laughs> was obvious, I know. Obvious. It was obvious, like but you know, It's like you couldn't shoot on worked. a beach. Like, a beach is not It's not a big hard. ask, yeah. It doesn't it, have to be Tahiti. Well, it could be any beach. <laughs> Mm, yes, All you need is sand, no. and then and you can just... And a green screen. So, yeah, yeah, sand no. and a green screen. The like. travel costs, the time... No, it is hard to shoot on a beach. I can tell you that it's hard to shoot on a beach. But it doesn't even have to be a real beach. beach. You just have a little bit of sand. And okay, like you that, say, a green like, screen. In a studio, like, Doing yeah. extreme, extreme close-ups just seems like a bit of a, a, bit of a, bit a cheat. Of a cheat. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I like the way we learn more about Sarge and what he's, re he's really after. Mm -hmm. And so they, they kind of... 
I don't know if they're they trying to trick people. you. Did but you like, fall for it though? Because that's what I was leading up to the the, the trickery that they did. Because we were led to believe, and last time we touched upon this, how you thought that it was that that the coroner was correct in his assumption that the knife implanted the bug and then killed the bug or the bat, I should say, within the host body to create those whatever they were uh, crystals erupting out of the thing. And I said that, no, that didn't make a lot of sense, that they were tracking the the bat people or the bat aliens that had already taken host bodies um, here and they were killing them with the knife, that they didn't actually implant the thing and that the agents had it wrong and that we were meant to understand that. And here they sort of gilded the lily with the, the lily with the preview. They sort of led us down a, a, the wrong path because they reiterated what the um, coroner said in order to make us replant that same idea in the head. But I was like, I'm not falling for it. I know what's really happening. Uh, what about, how was your take on that? Well, I had just forgotten. I'd forgotten that it became apparent in the last episode what was really going on. So you did remember. Yeah, because I remember a moment I looked over at you and, and you said, look, see? <laughs> or something to that effect. It's just, it's just an odd choice to use part of your recap to reiterate exactly. incorrect information. It <laughs> it's, is. It's a weird thing to do. It is, but that's what the agents knew at the time. No, I understand. And so this is the episode where they figured out that I was right all along. I understand. <laughs> um, and it's funny because the moment before they do that, Sarge is really imposing and he has made, you know, dead to rights. She's tied up and drugged in the chair. Um, and he says, we're going to turn you. And you think, uh-oh, she's about to get a bat in the chest. No, that's not what I thought. Okay, I, thought I thought he meant we're going to... Show you what what's going on. Yeah, try to okay. turn her to their side. Yeah, but I thought that the the less vigilant uh, um, audience member might think, "Oh snap, she's about to get batted," <laughs> which not so good. But um, that was cool, and that was a good fight too. I was actually really surprised because I didn't I didn't think ahead of time, and so yeah, when the host body gets damaged, then the bat is trying to look for another one, and that's when um, that's when you get to see what they are. So I didn't think of, I didn't think of that. Um, that was a cool element. No, I really like this episode. They, know, they're trying. Aside. They're they're. I don't know if humanizing is necessarily the right word, but they're they're deepening Sarge's character in such a way that you know you you almost stop for a second and think, oh, maybe he's going to end up being a good guy after all because he's really just trying to stop these aliens from destroying planets. But then you remember, like the very first time he appeared in the season premiere, like he shot some shield agents dead yes. in cold blood. So yeah, like, not so great. He's, I guess he's ultimately trying to accomplish a positive goal, yeah. but he's definitely not a he's good guy. He's definitely so. a just ends justify the means kind of bruiser. Um, and also I thought, I found it really interesting because this entire time I was thinking alternate universes, alternate universes, No, maybe I, even time travel. I'm, I'm maybe, thinking but. more and more that he's going to end up being tied to the Colson we know somehow. Like, yeah, like he has from, to be. Like, because maybe he's like a version of Coulson from the future we saw last season, even though that Coulson, even though Coulson supposedly died. Like, because it needs to be, if he is tied to our Coulson, he can't just be our Coulson that right. died months ago, somehow brought back to life. Right. Because he says he's been doing this for 100 years. So he's either not our Coulson in any way, shape, or form. But the time works differently. He said so. He said time works very differently out in the universe. And so, yeah, but I don't think he's going to be our Colson was resurrected six months ago and has been and yet at the same time has been out in space fighting these things for a hundred years. Like, yeah, and a hundred years is not that long. He wouldn't forget himself in that time. 
That's well, maybe thesis. they brought him back and they wiped. I mean, that's what they did the first time when they brought him back is that that's they wiped true. parts of his memory, okay, right? Fair. Yeah, but I, I it just rang think, a bell is what he I just said. think that there's probably Ooh, some time travel involved here or alternate dimensions or whatever. I, I don't We're know. We're getting a lot of time travel stuff with the B-plot. We didn't even talk about Fitz and Simmons. and Yeah, like them. maybe maybe in later in the season they, they do discover some way of traveling through time, mm-hmm. but it accidentally brings some version of Coulson from the future or something where he didn't, like, I don't know. But I think it is, if, if they, if they, if it didn't want to be, if they didn't want to be, if they didn't want to be related to the Coulson we knew somehow, they would have just had him be from like an alternate dimension or something. But the How idea does that he have his hand back? I mean, right? <laughs> he was also dead. Right? I think that's the bigger impediment. Oh. <laughs> if you can bring him back to life, you could probably grow him a new hand or something. Okay. Um, mm. Besides, do we even know for certain Questions. that he has that that's a biological hand and not some just super sophisticated yeah. future, future android Don't hand? Don't you remember Deke stabbed it through with a knife? He goes, real hand, not Coulson. Remember? I guess, yeah. In the fight? It could still be some super sophisticated Cylon type hand, you know, where it's indistinguishable okay, it even be. to scanners and doctors. But then he thinks it's real. I don't know. But I, I don't know. I just I they could have very easily had him be like there has to be some explanation. Like he he's didn't from seem pain he's by from it, space. He's it. not from another dimension. Why would he look exactly like Colson? Mm-hmm. I mean there would be a certain they, they could they could do it in such a way where it's poetic that oh you know like every some everybody has out there somewhere some someone who looks just like them sure like point. a doppelganger yeah, that's like, a theory they, that they could, they could sure. ring some sort of you know dramatic irony out of that mm-hmm. perhaps but I do think that you you set it up this way where it does seem like there is a there's going to have to be a dramatic reason why he's from space and yet looks exactly like Coulson but has been around for 100 years before Coulson was even born you know like yep. there's got to be some reason there and it, it I doubt it's just coincidence because once you once the writers start asking these questions of the audience you're primed to expect a satisfying answer and just it's coincidence is might not be a satisfying answer you know mm-hmm. I think they probably would have written it differently if we weren't supposed to be asking these questions um but yeah, I thought it was it was interesting. The stuff with Simmons and and um, Daisy and all them in space was interesting. And mm-hmm. they come back, and so now they've got May's got Sarge and all of his goons uh, rounded up. So yep. I guess we're gonna have some interrogation scenes in the next issue. And Daisy Daisy's gonna see Sarge for the first time. That'll be interesting because yep. she has no idea what's been going on. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So why because yeah, we... they they seem to have different pieces of the same puzzle. So. Um, yeah, because the, the time travel, the Chronicons were saying they're after that they're, aberrations. Also, they're after aberrations, some of but them that's are. the thing: the ones the, that are bounty hunters, and they not just trying had to save their, their home species. world destroyed. So now the question comes by up: Shrike, Okay, that perhaps. can't be. Yeah, that can't be a coincidence. Was it destroyed by the Shrike? And Coulson, yeah. sorry, Sarge and his team didn't get there, or was there a fight between Sarge and the Shrike uh, that resulted in the death of the planet? And as seen on the footage, because they wouldn't have shown us that footage that they pulled from um, the cement man's chest or whatever, wherever it was, um, that showed the decimation of that planet. You remember this? Let's get well, out of here before we die. I, I think that I think I, it could have been anybody's reason, planet, though. I think that the reason they showed us that footage was to make us think that they were the one because it was framed right. in such a way to mm-hmm. make us think they were the ones they destroying were causing the planet. It, yeah. So that was to set up our expectation exactly. that then exactly. could be subverted by this episode. Exactly. I'm not sure it was necessarily the, because that planet was specifically itself supposed to be important, but it could be. Right. I, just, I thought that's what they were doing. It could be. Making us think that they're this world-ending right. threat when in fact they're trying they to They were stop. definitely establishing the stakes. Now, whether or not that particular footage is the same Chronicon home, uh, home world, that remains to be seen and is almost irrelevant at this point. But it it still means that the Chronicons are experiencing... You're pronouncing that word differently I know, every time you say because I'm not sure. <laughs> Sorry. How is it? It's a chronic I, I don't remember chronic either. Chronic-con. I think it's chronic-con because 
it's kind of weird. San Diego um, Chronicon. There you go. <laughs> That's good. Um, no, well, whatever. Um, they are. Um, uh, what was I saying? No, you, you can think about San Diego. Yeah, yeah, you screwed it over. You, you, my my brain is all. You're saying that could be. Des- now I'm that thinking of them their... doing cosplays as robots. And that might have been their planet that you saw in the footage. It, yeah, but uh, uh, backing up to that, they they have yeah they have experience with this, and now Daisy and um and and company are coming back to report on that while. Shield people still think they don't know. They still think that um, the 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 Sarge is stabbing people and making this happen instead of actually well, eliminating. May, them. And May now May is coming in. Yeah. yeah, I know. So now you have the three pieces of the puzzle at the end of last episode actually coming in, and they're all going to start to fit next episode. So I'm really excited for next episode, uh, actually, because I hope that it doesn't take a long time for all of these people to talk to each other. It always kind of frustrates me i'm like you're in the same no i don't think they have time for that because the season's half over already well then there you go well not quite it's like four or five episodes out of 13 so i mean we're we're about 40 percent of the way through the season so i think it's gonna i think that this is basically like kind of like the end of act one where now now we sort of we understand the stakes and whose side everybody's on then it kind of things are probably going to start to get really bad (laughs) and things are going to start to go wrong enoch he's having some trouble figuring out social cues well, I, I mean, and, I, and his it's easy to read it as Fitz did as him having betrayed them by yeah. revealing that Simmons mm-hmm. was important to him. But like he said, if he hadn't played, the, I mean, if he it, hadn't played that card, he, he had no good dead. hand to play. And the, nope. hand, the hand that he played is the one that kept everybody alive yeah. at least for the time exactly. being until they can all figure out something else. So it's, I don't really I hope blame Fitz, him for it. Yeah, I know. But I hope Fitz forgives him for that soon, especially since it means that he and uh, Gemma are going to be working together. And I'm still, yeah, I'm still reeling about the whole this is a past version of Fitz and a future version of Simmons thing, but... Well, it's a present version of Simmons that just spent right. some time in the future. And this is the version <laughs> of Fitz that never got... Got, got to the future. Got yeah, to the yeah, future yeah. or, so spent, or few... spent 70 years in cryostasis. True. So she's like... Yeah, they're a, messing a, with time pretty She's like hard. a year older than... Than, than she should be or something right. like that than or than he was or whatever right. they were roughly the same age. Right. Um, Ish, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he yeah, didn't experience, were, he didn't experience the whole last season. Mm, yep but other than that they're not i mean that's and in terms of the things that have conspired against them (laughs) i know a year's difference in shared shared experiences is not really that big of an obstacle to overcome yeah um so should we talk about swamp thing this was another really good Mm -hmm. episode oh tremendous so it's sort of forwarded all the they've got a lot of balls in the air but they're doing a good job of forwarding them all Mm -hmm. um abby seemingly came up with it so so we learned i mean they didn't actually say the word the rot they didn't actually say the rot in this episode but i think it's pretty obvious i mean you see yes. all these mm-hmm. the, all these insects and like the scat you know the scavengers or yes. the, you know whatever they are like beetles and, and mm-hmm. all the things Centipedes that, like, and yeah the things that chew on dead, dead tissue things, yeah um they're like reanimating corpses and whatever so i guess they were the ones that reanimated that that bloated corpse that came to life in yes. the, in the mm-hmm. morgue in the first episode um so I guess there's a so we still don't quite understand. I mean, we know that uh, Sunderland is putting the accelerant in the swamp, and the oh, green is like fighting back or something. But where does the rot fit into all this? Is the is the rot like did is the, 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 rot the, did the back? green kill the people in the swamp? The ones that were putting the accelerant in there? It seemed like it because they were like I guess they had yes. to right because those were vines and tree right, branches right. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So where so is the rot? What's the rot's stake in all this? Like the rot doesn't seem to be. 
No, but I think it's animated is what it is. Like before, uh, the, the natural function, of... yeah, the natural function of the swamp had the, the green elements, like just kind of plant life, uh, the, the element of life, and then the decomposition elements inside, and both seem to have been accelerated. Mm, so I don't think that's, that's not really how it would work in the comics, at least. Like if they're accelerating plant growth, they're using like whatever Alex said in the first episode, like some, you know, But I'm telling you, like whatever, whatever their reaction is, is overdoing it. And if they're calling accelerant, accelerant, then it's catalyzing both reactions. You know, the one that generates I don't think the that's life it. and the I one that the, consumes. I think there's more going on. I think there's more going on than that because those, in the comics, those are two separate primal forces, and some chemical you throw into a swamp isn't isn't really going to affect both of them. It might yeah, be. I know. It might be something as simple as like if the green is is moving into action because of what's happening, then the rot senses that oh the powers are shifting or whatever and yes. now it can sort of make its move. Oh, if I the see, green I is see. if the green is about to choose its new avatar, then the rot. Should you know, choose to, its to own. The green's about to choose oh. its own avatar to protect itself from these humans. The Ross like, oh man, if they're going to have an avatar, then we're the power. We need there's going to be a power imbalance. Mm-hmm. We need to step up our game too and start attacking the green or attacking the human. But I'm like, I'm trying to now recontextualize what the Rot did in those episodes. Like it seemed like it was after. Was it after Abby in the morgue, or was it just trying to like? T- kill humans Well, that's the second time she was or, in the same room. It's it come after her both times, hasn't it? But yeah. it's always in, been in vicinity of either Alec or Alec's research, right? Yes. Because he was there in the Usually, morgue too. Yeah. And then this episode, he was there as Swamp Thing, and it was his work and his research that were there. So are they trying to destroy him or something he found, or are they trying to kill her, or are they trying to like subsume her in some way? And what do they uh, hope to gain from all that? It so seemed we... to be linked to him. Oh, there's a thought. Well, the first time the rot was just there just because it was there, probably. And then the second time it was linked to Alec because it it consumed, it it resurrected the body of the man he killed and felt guilty about. Do you remember? He was yeah, looking at I the body parts. And the, the... It did that to make it personal for him, mm-hmm. to try to make him doubt himself yeah. or lose their fight. But that doesn't necessarily mean it was out to get him. It's just it knew it would have to have an edge when it fought him, as it inevitably would. And wearing the face of a guy he felt guilty about killing would be a way of... Having slowing him down yeah. or something mm-hmm. so it doesn't necessarily mean it was after him but yeah i don't know there's still a lot we don't know and then mm-hmm. we get more stuff with xanadu we get more yes. stuff with um a- avery danny what's his name blue devil give me a oh. second oh, dear. it's not coming to me dan something dan cassidy that's cassidy. his name um yeah what's like we don't quite know what that is like he he, he's, he has a relationship with xanadu but he's, he's there, like he, he feels he makes trapped. it sound like he's living on borrowed time yeah. because she's read his fortune many times and it's always the same and he's like mm-hmm. he's doomed or something but mm-hmm. this one time it's different because of the forces that are it's in motion the same card but it's upside so is down, he doomed so like he's shifted. gonna die like from cancer or something or is he doomed because he's gonna turn into a demon the demon version mm-hmm. of blue devil like in the comics like in what way is he doomed like in what way does he yeah. feel like his and why he's is living he stuck on borrowed time? Yeah, and, and why, why is he there? Stuck there? Yeah, like, like, there's a lot we don't know about that. Yeah. Um, uh, there's some cool, there's some good scenes between Abby and, and Matt Cable. Um, yep. I was I was I was getting like vague stalkery CW vibes from the end where Swamp Thing is like looking at them forlornly through the window. Funny. I'm like, okay, don't like I get I get <laughs> I that you. But I get that there's I get, I get that there's kind of like a love triangle <laughs> thing going on here, sort of, but. I was getting like flashbacks to like Smallville yeah. where Clark was looking longingly at Lana through his <laughs> the barn telescope or whatever well, after the end of every yeah, episode. So you know, it's like it's so don't true. don't overdo that. You know, like I, I get that she's supposed to be torn between what she what she felt for him and her desire to help him and figure out what's going on with him and the more normal connection that she feels with like her childhood friend mm-hmm. here that she has chemistry. Like I understand what they're doing, but I hope they don't they hope they don't 
spend too much time on that. Yeah. Or at least in such a cliched way as they're dancing and he's looking sadly from the from a distance. You know, yeah. like that was from such a Dawson's Creek style That's what melodrama. I, I know. Yeah, I know, I know. So I could <laughs> yeah. I could do without more of that. But like in theory, like that's a that's a interesting in plot theory, thread to explore. Works. But in I, theory. I, I Yes. They, hopefully they don't frame it that way too much. Yes. Um, so the season premiere of Krypton. So yes. you were sort of you were sort of lukewarm going into this. You weren't you weren't super excited about watching the new season. The, the, there's two things that we didn't talk about for Swamp Thing. I'm sorry What's to that? come back, but one of them was Avery, and we got some more material with him, and he's a money grubbing person who is actually in debt. So that's an interesting spin because we thought that up until this point that he was actually swimming in it when really he's been manipulating a banker to cook books and he kills the guy with a golf club because he's just that brand of gross. Um, And then the whole thing with his wife cutting him off. Yeah. And the scientist, uh, the Woodward. The Woodward Woodward and Bernstein. What are they called? The Woodrus? Woodrus. Oh, yeah. And sorry. his wife has his got wife some has sort early, of... It seems like early onset. Alzheimer's um, or something. Alzheimer's, yeah. Yeah, that they, yeah, it's a clever way of humanizing him a little yeah. bit. Because he's always and been a pretty one And it's also probably going to give him a catalyst. Villain. Yeah, but it's also going to give him a catalyst to lose it. His whole motivation in the yeah. comics was always just like, Swamp Thing's a thing? I want to be a cool plant guy too. And so <laughs> oh, like no. that was like the, a, the beginning yeah, and end of his very, motivation. Very, yeah. So it's it's interesting to give him, give him more going on there. And so I continue to think that Avery Sunderland is going to be dispatched at some point and his wife is going to end up being the... Because maybe like she ends up tapping into like the supernatural to try to connect with her yeah. daughter again and that ends up being the bigger threat and just like this loser industrialist guy who kills people with golf clubs is not going to be a threat to Swamp Thing. You know what I mean? So the visit that she had in the bathroom where her daughter was talking to her, do you think that's a hallucination of her own making? Or do you think that's actually like an external Well, that's what we're supposed to think. But I think that all the scenes with Xanadu and the fact that they're physically flung across her little office there in the past. And a hallucination can't bring you more information that you yourself have not perceived. Yeah, so but, that's she could be but she could like be saying what talking. she would think her daughter right. would say. Mm, yeah. Um, like she, you could you could say like, oh, she knows deep down right. that deep Avery down is just knows. using her and so she's the that's, daughter, mm-hmm. her mental image of her daughter is, is giving voice to those doubts that she always had about whether he still loves exactly. her or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if she's like, oh, if you check Avery's bank account, he actually has $12.65 in there and there's no what? way she could know that, then yes, that would what be proof that you- there's... This is the last question I'll ask and then we can move on to the next show. But the topic, what did you think about the idea that the police woman, a.k.a. Matt's Matt's mom, has a routine on and off again fling with Avery? I thought that was an an interesting thing. I mean, the the idea that he's having an affair on top of everything else is maybe a little predictable, but... um, but it's 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 a sort of a realistic you know extension of what we know about his character and it it makes it has an interesting dimension to her character too whereas before she just seemed like the stern policewoman and mm-hmm. mother to Matt now she's got this sort of dark secret dark secret and yeah. also and like what is she getting out of that relationship because she seems sort of genuinely affectionate to him albeit somewhat eye rolling at his continuous mm-hmm. advances and how predictable they are but she did seem like she actually has affection for had him, yeah. a, has affection for him um, so that's an interesting wrinkle to her character. I, I, I think that I, I, at this point, I think that they're, I trust them enough to see that they're setting that up for something later. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's going to end up coming around and being important at some point. Mm-hmm. The, the, one, the one thing I'll mention is that this is just twisting the knife of the fact that the show was canceled. But um, I read a report that, I don't know where they got this from, but there, there's a, there was a report that what the plan was is for they had like a, the, the showrunners had a three season arc 
mm-hmm. mapped out, like mm-hmm. the whole to you know a whole thing with like to cover his entire arc from the comics, and it was going to end in like basically a Justice League Dark kind of thing where oh, they cool. would have they would have accumulated accumulated enough supernatural characters over the course of the three seasons that they could either do like a Justice League Dark spinoff series or kind of like a big event at the end of the three seasons that would have you know Madame Xanadu, Constantine, Blue Devil. Etrigan, Deadman, Spectre, maybe characters like that all teaming up together to fight whatever the big threat is at the end of the three years. Mm -hmm. Now we're never going to see any of that, but that's that's the rumor of what their big plan was going to be, and that's why they're introducing characters like Xanadu and Blue Devil now, is that by the end of this, they would have had like this whole assemblage of supernatural characters that would all team up or something. Uh, We're never going to get to see that apparently. I mean, who knows? But I, at this point, it seems unlikely. Yeah. Um, so Krypton, mm-hmm. so like I said, you were kind of lukewarm. There, I think if you if you check the tape from last year, um, <laughs> we really we really enjoyed a lot of episodes in the season. But I think that the way the season ended, um, we we're kind of like, where, where do they Why? go from here? Like, what what is it? Because a lot of the stuff that I enjoyed most in the first season was like the world building of Krypton. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wasn't it interesting? The guilds and the rankless and the the juxtaposition between like the political class and this religious element. Like, even the even the political right. leaders That's all right. have to bow to this voice of Rao or whatever he was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was the ominous, the coming threat of Brainiac and everything that was going on there and, and the time travel stuff with Adam Strange, which always felt kind of oddly bolted onto the show because... It was bolted onto the show. It was going right. to be a pure historical. And then they said, oh, actually, why don't we make it more interesting by having Adam Strange show up with Superman's cape and we can, you know, yeah. get the oh, this whole Play time draw. Like, oh, yeah. that was not in the original pitch for the show. Um, and then like Zod coming from the future. Like a lot of that stuff was cool, but it seemed kind of like I, I think I would have enjoyed the show more if it was just like a straight historical and about the decline of an empire and its ultimate fate, you know, like the the guild, the infighting between the guilds mm-hmm. and the tension between the different classes and the religious versus the political and the sort of social upheaval that's going on and mm-hmm. the potential for scientific advancements or whatever. Like, do we go to other planets or do we not? And all, you know, the discovery of the Phantom Zone. Mm-hmm. You could even have Doomsday in there if you want, because that's historically in the comics. Like, he was created by this fanatical Kryptonian scientist as this ultimate weapon. So that could be your big threat or whatever. And that's true to the comics. Heck, even have Brainiac show up, because in the comics, you know, he showed up and he shrank Argo City and in some versions also destabilized the planet or, you know, whatever. Now in the comics, there's painting that on Rogal Czar or whatever. Yep. But, in various versions. So you could do all that. But the more it started to get into the time travel stuff and, and changing history, it, it to me at least, it, it got like, it, it, I was still enjoying it, but it seemed like the show was kind of, had sort of didn't really know what it was trying to be anymore. Right. And I, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the season premiere also, but I think a lot of the stuff that I enjoyed most about the first season isn't really a play anymore mm-hmm. because Zod has made it a very flat org chart now right where it's like now there's no more rankless now everybody is you know what yeah, I mean? yeah he flattened it yep um and the whole religious element is gone of course because that guy was just made into a puppet by brainiac and then was ultimately destroyed or whatever um even the even brainiac here he's you know so you see sag in the phantom zone um, which is kind of an interesting version of the Phantom Zone where he's not just seeing like other phantoms that are trapped there floating around. He's like, like actually experiencing visions and like his own nightmares or whatever, which is sort of an interesting thing. But he gets out pretty quickly and pretty mm-hmm. pretty easily too. Like he was tricked by Brainiac, but still like I would have, if it were me, I would have had him spend like an episode in there at least to really mm-hmm. feel like he's trapped there. Um, they get out and he bludgeons Brainiac to death. So I don't think it's the last we'll see of Brainiac, but that was sort of... I don't know. It, the pacing was kind of strange. Like things happened, mm-hmm. but it seemed like they were hap- things happened like either 
but like very quickly like we were only just introduced to a new situation and then the situation was resolved very quickly it almost felt like they were just churning through too much story yep. but they're still interesting like i still like I'm still interested in what happens to the characters. Like, um, although I've now sitting here, I've forgotten some of their names. But Lida, I guess Lida is fully on board with. I, I I was supposed to think that maybe she's playing some sort of long game on Zod. Do you even remember who Lida is? Yeah, okay. yeah, of course. Is it just because she's he's her son and she feels committed now because she kind of shot her mom to protect him? Yeah. That she feels like she's she's committed Tracked. now. She yeah. didn't really seem like she was experiencing any moments of. The actress had plenty of opportunity to play like. There were scenes there, which if she wanted to play a little bit of doubt or hesitation or whatever, mm-hmm. she could have. But it, she seemed like completely Stoic. the good soldier the whole time. Yeah. So are we yeah. to think I that I mean, she's... I didn't get that. I, I did get some conflict within her. <laughs> there were moments like when she saw the lobotomized woman that she'd been right. talking to before walking down the streets. There was a moment of recognition and maybe like, I guess most you could like say wondering. is like wistfulness or something. But she didn't She didn't. That seem... wasn't wistfulness. That was like, that was concern. <sighs> But what did she... She knew exactly what was going to happen, though. Yeah. Like, it's not like it was a surprise. No, no, no. Like, she wasn't concerned to see her. She was concerned because there was something in their exchange that let her know that something isn't normal. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't getting a lot of regret from her. I was getting, yeah. like, maybe, like, slight puzzlement <laughs> at, at best. It'd be one thing if it seemed like Zod was keeping the worst of his deeds from her so yeah. that he would so that she would stay with her and he could have like some mother son time or something right, right. but it seems like she's right in there in the thick of all the worst stuff he's doing yep it seems like a bit of a it concerned. seems like a bit of a leap from the character we saw in the first season who yeah. seemed very principled um, i some yeah some of it is seems you know why i, I kind of bought into that shift because i did feel that same shift but i sort of bought into it because she has just lost the only person that she ever loved like she had to shoot her mom. She, she's a little bit messed up right now. She had to shoot her mom to save her son. Oh, she didn't. Yeah. And she also loved Seg and he went into parts unknown. I think that that's, I feel like though that's a disservice to the character. Like this career military woman who's very strong and very capable and very in command. A couple of things ethical. don't. A couple of things. She was yeah, and ethical. Very, and a couple of things don't point. go yeah. her way, and all of a sudden she's okay with like being a fascist dictator. Yeah. Uh, that that seems like a bridge too far for me. Like you could maybe get her there, but it would. We needed to see a lot more steps in between than yeah. just like a time jump over the summer. Yeah. And then she's so I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still I still find the characters interesting. I think the performances are good. Yeah, um, some of the conversations to me, like some of the writing was weak in spots. Like there was a little bit of expository text with the show. Uh, the show definitely has there. a style. It's 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 sort of a very um it it has a sort of expository sort of stentorian Redundant, style. Yeah. I think the, what the reason why it seems odd sometimes is if the show had been that sort of pure historical, mm-hmm. then I think a sort of like. Because when you look at how the, like going back to the Richard Donner Superman movie, the way that Marlon Brando and all those characters spoke on Krypton was very, you know, highfalutin, very precise, very very operatic, very, you know, and then it's, but it was done that way to be as a juxtaposition when you cut to Smallville and everybody's like, ah, shocks, ma and pa kind of thing, right? I think if it had been a pure historical, basically set in that kind of version of Krypton, Mm -hmm. a very direct, um, melodramatic style of speech might have worked for it but then when you have character when you have seg as more like this down and dirty um mix him up brawler kind of guy that he's kind of evolved into being and you have characters like adam strange who speak with like an earth american colloquial lingo Mm -hmm. and so on 
it it sort of makes the the more traditional quote unquote Kryptonian dialogue seem very plain and on the nose by comparison. If the mm-hmm. whole show were like that, I think you could kind of get into the style of it more. Right, right. But because it's juxtaposed against characters who don't speak that way, mm-hmm. I think it it makes it seem very jarring right. just the juxtaposition and you could do that like you could have one character who is this wild card yeah. like adam strange and everybody else speaks a certain way but i don't know I, I i just i don't think they're quite if that's what they were going for i, I think don't think they quite nailed it because i think it does make the more plain yeah. dialogue seem kind of jarring by comparison um so the one thing that i'm i guess we'll need to wait and see if they have a plan but so the the child that Seg had with, give me a second now, Nissa. Yep. Um, Corvex. Yes. So we know that Segal is Jor-El's father. Are we now operating in a divergent timeline where Jor-El, well, no, because Jor-El still needs to exist. Like if yes. Jor-El doesn't exist, Superman doesn't exist, which I guess is the time. Change. Wait, that is the world we're operating in. Yes. Because Adam Strange came from Earth where Superman never existed and Zod mm-hmm. went into space and took over. Mm-hmm. So was Corvax never supposed to have been conceived? And instead, Seg was going to have a child with someone else that was going to be named Jor-El? Or is there still a way to salvage this timeline and Corvax... Would have to be renamed. Somehow or would changes get a sibling. his name? No, because I mean, look, think about it this way. Jor-El and... Whatever his brother's name were, they were siblings. Who, oh, that's right. We got Zorel to right? account for too. Yeah. Yeah. How would they? I, I mean, well, that's second, why not. I mean, second to have fully m- four kids on this show: three Zod, Corvex, oh, yeah. Zorel, and Jorel. This yeah. starts to get. That's not. That's a little messy from a storytelling perspective, isn't it? He's got. He's got this one kid that's, mm-hmm. that was like conceived artificially, basically through the way the Kryptonians right. do their genetic mixing or whatever. He's got a future son. Mm-hmm. Two future sons and one. Well, one that we. So, I mean, he's got Zod, who has literally come from the future. Okay. And then we have two more sons, which we know that he is destined to have at some point. Mm-hmm. That that's a that's a lot. Like that's just kind of messy from a storytelling through line perspective. Yeah. I don't know that what that was made me made me think that maybe Corvax was like if Nissa dies and and Segal needs to. Like I don't know, go under, go underground or something, and so he renames him to like I don't know. But then right. that, you're right; that only counts for one of the two sons that he's supposed to. I completely forgot that Zorel even yeah. existed. Yeah, I don't know. Like that's I don't know where they're going with that. But I mean, maybe that's the thing. Like maybe Corvax was not supposed to exist. Like maybe mm-hmm. in the timeline as it was supposed to naturally play out. But don't forget that uh, currently he took her last name because his house was sort of right. Um, what 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 was the term that they used? Basically, well, wiped away. He was rankless yeah. after the after his grandfather. No, the house of L was weaker than whatever, and they just adopted. He, well, but, he right, married, but after Van L was sent, after Van L was was made a pariah and, and exiled yeah. slash killed yes, in the first yeah, episode, right. the house of L was basically dissolved, and right. he became rankless. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, but I mean, we're clearly operating in, ter- in terms of a lineage thing here. We're clearly operating in uncharted waters too, because in no version of the of the history is General Zod in any way related to the Al family. Yeah, so we're exactly. clearly off in uncharted waters already. So yep. who knows how the how the family tree could end up shaking out. I mean the idea that Zod is actually related Half, to Superman yeah. is, is is kind of is kind of interesting. Like he's like it's interesting, but it's mm, it's just like okay, great. It's like so the, the, it's like only the ju- this particular family tree survived all of Krypton's destruction. Oh, all right. 
Well, no, because then you've got all of, I mean, you've got Candor, you've got all the Phantom okay. Zone criminals. I mean, it depends on which version you're talking about, obviously, but in in, in certain versions, became, there were there were thousands yeah. of survivors, right, of one kind or another. Um, I mean, that's kind of interesting. In some ways, it does make it a little, like, Reductive. it makes the universe seem a little smaller, smaller yeah. much in the same way that, like, oh, the Joker was actually the one that killed Batman's parents. Like, it's sort of a bridge too far. You don't really need that. Yeah. Remember the yeah. way that was in the Tim Burton movie? It's like you don't you don't need that in there. That just makes everything seem a little too tidy. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it is it is the idea that um, the yeah. idea that the House of Al and the House of Zod would spawn this guy who has the best and worst elements of both. Mm-hmm. Like Zod does have the sort of the nobility and the the call to a higher purpose and the sense of honor. In a way yes. that that the House of El has, but he also has the sort of the militaristic bearing and yeah. the sort of desire to rule that yeah. the House of Zod has, and so he's sort of he's definitely condescending and so there in were, his like we've talked about before. Altruism. There were periods in the character's history in the comics when he was more on the side of good and actually worked with Superman and the whole new Krypton arc and everything. So I actually I, I actually don't mind them tying them in there in a familial sense, but I just it does make the story more complicated in terms of where it goes from here and how they resolve all of that. And because right. when you think about how things would have to, unless we're completely operating in a divergent timeline here, to to make this, if they're ever going to like pull a Gotham. You know, mm-hmm. and no matter how crazy things got, it's still wrapped around to being essentially the classic version of Gotham by the final episode, like Gotham did. You know, right? Zod's gonna have to go back to his time. The the Krypton, like Segel, is gonna have to end up having several more kids. Brainiac is gonna have to like revive, be revived, and come back because he didn't end up taking Argo, did he? He was stopped, so mm-hmm. he's gonna have to come back and come back again and take Argo. Yep. And the, you know, and Adam Strange is going to have like the, the sheer number of things, the sheer number of pieces that would have to be moved around to yep. for the show to end the way it seems like it's going to have to end is sort of hard to imagine from here, but I don't know, I'm I'm enjoying it and in the it's not I don't feel like it um I feel like my my connection to the characters like I was sort of more I felt like more into the characters in the first season. Maybe it's because it's been like over a year since the mm-hmm. season ended that I just I need to sort of get back into that world. But I I feel like I don't I don't have as much of a connection to the characters anymore. Like I'm just watching things happen. I don't feel like personally invested in what's happening in the mm-hmm. way that I sort of did at times last season. The way I do in other shows that we're still watching. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe I just need to get back into it. And then of course Lobo shows up. So I mean the yeah, that's fine. the the poster for this season is like oh you know all the you know, you know, we're in trouble now or whatever. And it's got Segal and then it's got like below it, it's got like Zod, Doomsday, Brainiac and Lobo. It's like, oh, here's yep. the, is the yeah. rogues gallery basically. And so, I mean, even if it's just like all these crazy Superman villains, yeah. you know, causing trouble and, and all of our guys having to deal with that, like it, it'll be entertaining at least. I just, I don't know how, how invested I feel in the story anymore. Same. And I don't know whether it's just because the direction they took it in or the long break in between seasons or, I mean... Young Justice was gone for like six years, and I still feel invested in those characters when it yeah, came back. So yeah. I don't. So I don't think it's just the sheer amount of time. No, all those little moments, honestly, for me as a writer, it's all those little moments that seem redundant, seem poorly written, and seem dragged out. Those are the ones that keep kind of niggling at me and make me like the show a little less and less. You know, because I'm still. I still like it as a concept, but I think that it's not polished at all. And I feel like that's doing the overall work disservice 
to waste time on these kinds of scenes when they could be, they had the opportunity to do something much more interesting um, and and impactful. I just wonder, I just hope the show wasn't kneecapped from the beginning by the by the decision to shoehorn in Adam Strange and all the time travel elements. Mm. You know, like I wonder, they've, they've doubled down on that stuff this season and I wonder if that was the, the right move. Like if they felt like they needed to because the show was generally pretty pretty positively received last season, so I don't think they felt the need to do a a huge course correction or something. Yeah. Um, but, generally, yeah. But, but even they, they there, could have they, would they could have either like continued on with all the time travel stuff and changing history, or they could have had the time travel threat be a first season thing, yep. and then it's resolved, and now we move on to a different story in the second season. And instead, they chose to double down on that stuff. And I wonder if it was the right. Wonder if it was the right decision. I guess we'll have to see where they go with it. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's only a ten episode season, um, so there's going to be you know a lot's going to have to happen in a short amount of time. So I don't I I think that they're they've got they must have in, interesting story ideas mm-hmm. to to commit a a whole season to the whole you know Lobo Zod ruling Krypton thing, right? Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see where they go with it. Yeah. That's it for our shows. So, yeah. So, if you want to reach out to us, we have an email address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. Our Twitter handle is at smartspodcast. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash smartspodcast. And our website is www.smartspodcast.com. Do you have a funny sound for us? I don't have one. Mm, How about, I am Brainiac. Ooh. (laughs) 